0: Hi, this is Kara Eglinton, host of The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, and this is our future is missing Voice America kids. Please be on the lookout for 15-year-old Erin Bird. She is considered an endangered runaway. Erin went missing from Palm Beach Gardens, Florida on November 19, 2011. She is Caucasian, 53 weighing 112 pounds with brown eyes and blonde hair. If you know of Aaron Bird's whereabouts, please contact the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline at 1-800-THE-LOST. That is 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Aaron Bird, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to com. Thank you.
1: It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here is your host.
0: We are here in Wells Fargo Arena with Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. I'm joined by Jason today. As I said earlier, we are here from Wells Fargo Arena preparing for an ASU women's basketball broadcast. But today we've got a great show for you, we got NHL still going on, MLB season about to start, and there's still some big names out there on the market, along with
2: NBA still going on. And now we're going to change pace a little bit, change our gears to the Super Bowl, where we will see a rematch of a very exciting Super Bowl a few years ago between the New England Patriots and the New York Giants. Uh, Two teams with possibly two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL today. Tom Brady, of course, for the Patriots, and Eli Manning, who's really emerged as an elite quarterback in the NFL this year for the Giants. Uh, Two teams deal different philosophies on offense and defense. The Giants, a pretty balanced attack in all regards. They run it a little bit during the playoffs, at least they have, and they throw it a lot with uh, with Manning. On defense, they've got the big front four. They've looked a little questionable at linebacker sometimes. And on the other hand, the Patriots, just this dynamic, possibly unstoppable offense, a lot like that 16 0 team that the Giants wound up beating a few years back. Yeah, well, I
0: think two names that really would, that New England fans hate now Tyree and Plaxico Burris. Both those guys, remarkable plays in that Super Bowl, I think really changed the pace of that Super Bowl. I think really the MVP of that, Super Bowl that didn't get enough attention was that Giants defense. They were really the first team that showed how to beat that offense for New England. Pressure Tom Brady, to get to him. I think they're going to try to do the same thing this game. That Giants pass rush is too good this year. I think better than that team that beat the Patriots a couple years ago. Eli Manning's better. I would say Victor Cruz... And Hakeem Nicks created a better wide receiver combo than the Amani Toomer and Plaxico Burris did back in the day.
2: Uh, yeah, I agree. I think for the most part, the Giants offense is better off than they were last time. Uh, Brandon Jacobs seems to have finally gotten it going a little bit on the running game during this playoff run. Of course, Brandon Jacobs, a guy who hasn't seen a lot of action, is a bit more rested than most of these guys. Uh, So, even with a couple weeks off to prep for the Super Bowl, I still think that's going to be a factor. I still think Jacob's health is going to be better than most of the linebackers he's bowling over for the Patriots. And like you mentioned, I feel like offensively in the passing game, I just think Eli's a much better quarterback than he was last time. And like you mentioned, Hakeem Nix, Victor Cruz might be truly elite receivers, uh, whereas Amani Toomer and Plaxico Burris, not so much back in the day, like you mentioned. Uh, as far as that defense, I agree. The Giants' defense won that Super Bowl. Uh, that Super Bowl was won by the O.C. Uminioras of the world, by the big-time pressure brought by that Giants' front four. But, you know, with a more healthy Humaniora, Justin Tuck finally starting to show up. And then, of course, Kiwanuka and Jason Pierre-Paul, JPP, they've gotten going. That Giants' defensive line has been dominant in recent weeks. And like you mentioned, the way they stopped Brady last time—what's to sack him? What's to pressure him with that front four? And I think they can do it again this time.
0: And here's the thing: I think New England's defense is nowhere near where that defense was in the Super Bowl. And also, you have to remember, during the regular season, these two teams did play. I believe it was a Giants victory in the end of that one. And I think that might be a sign of things to come in this Super Bowl. I think Giants are a much more balanced team than New England. I think this Super Bowl will be a lot more high scoring than the last one was between these two teams.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like you said, that New England defense is definitely worse than last time. But A, the Patriots have seen how the Giants beat them last time. And you can bet Bill Belichick's devised a plan as to how he's going to stop this pass rush. Um, And B, I think their offense is actually better than last time. I understand that Brady was setting passing touchdown records, airing it out to Moss, throwing it to Welker. But honestly, I feel like that was not the most solid play. I feel like that was kind of an abusive strategy that worked against weaker teams who couldn't get pass rush because Moss would inevitably get open. Whereas right now, they're working more on those quicker passes, those shorter passes... To, uh, to Gronkowski, to Aaron Hernandez, to Wes Welker, I think that's a more sound strategy against a team with good defensive pressure like the New York Giants.
0: But yeah, of course, New England has had its scares late in the season. They nearly lost to the Redskins, nearly lost to um, the Dolphins. Meanwhile, Giants have had very few hiccups, actually. They had that six-game losing streak, which I believe... Even while it was happening, they were playing good football. There wasn't really any alarming during that six-game losing streak, because that streak came against multiple teams with very long, with very good records.
2: Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Like you said, which Patriots team, which Giants team shows up will be a big factor. I imagine both teams will bring pretty much their A game. These are two quarterbacks, two head coaches that always rise to the occasion. And as such, I can see this one being a very good game.
0: Yeah, it's time for me to make my prediction. I'm going to say Giants 35, Patriots 31.
2: You know, I like the result. I think the score might be a little bit lower. I think the Giants defense is a big impact. I think Eli It's a good game. Giants 28, Patriots 24. So that's going to do it for us. Thanks for joining us. This has been Speaking of Sports on Kids Star and Voice America Kids.
3: Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com.
1: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action.
0: Welcome to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. We are here at Wells Fargo Arena in Tempe, Arizona, preparing for ASU Women's Basketball Broadcast. We just talked about the NBA headlines, and now we're going to keep talking about the NBA, some all-stars that we think should be considered in this early season.
2: Uh, Yeah, you know, nothing better to follow up NBA than more NBA action. It really is the premier sport happening right this very moment. Uh, No offense to the NHL, of course, uh, which I think we will get to at some point during this show. But, you know, NBA All-Stars, it's always a discussion. Voting has opened. I guess we should just kind of do it position by position. I know in the Eastern Conference right now, leading at guard, we have, of course, Derek Rose and Dwayne Wade. Uh, Do you have any problems with that, Fabian? Of course not. Those guys...
0: When they've played this season, have continued what they've been doing the last couple of seasons, being two of probably the best guards in the league, let alone the Eastern Conference. Derrick Rose being last season's MVP, and Dwayne Wade being final's MVP back in 06. I mean, a key part to that Heat team,
2: which proves it's, they still need him. Uh, yeah, you know, Wade has not played a ton, he hasn't really been healthy a ton, but I agree, he is Dwayne Wade. Um it is kind of a popularity contest, but there's a reason Dwayne Wade's so popular. He's an exciting, electric, brilliant player. Um so I agree, he should be in this all-star game. If you look at those Eastern Conference point guards though, you gotta wonder, what about maybe a Rajon Rondo? I know the Celtics certainly aren't playing like they were last season when I think that did they get four all-stars in last season? I believe they got the whole big three plus Rondo in last year. Um, Certainly the Celtics as a whole aren't playing at that level, but certainly it hasn't been Rondo's fault early on. Yeah, I think Rondo definitely has been the thing that's been keeping the Celtics
0: team barely afloat thus far. And I think this will be the year that will be just Rondo as an all-star. I don't see Ray Allen, Garnett, or Paul Pierce making the team this season. I think it's time for Ray Ray John Rondo. Maybe this will be the year that he steps up ahead of that big three
2: sheds that big three plus one uh, title. All right. I don't think it's even going to be a big four. I think it's the big Rondo plus you know plus three role players, really. Yeah. Um, but would you put Rondo above Wade or Rose as an all-star starter? I don't see him
0: right now because R- Rose and Wake, they can do the whole package. They can score. They can pass. They can defend. I'll, I don't quite see Rachel Rondo. He's improving, but he's not quite
2: that elite scorer quite yet. Uh, Western Conference guards now, I believe it's uh, Chris Paul and Kobe um, is who I think it is. Not quite positive on that. That's who certainly makes sense. Uh, Thoughts on that? Obviously, Kobe having a huge start to the year, whereas Paul, much like Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade, a bit injured uh, for the beginning of the year.
0: Yeah, Kobe definitely, I think, it works, and Chris Paul definitely, for sure. He's been playing well when he's been healthy. And it'll be kind of interesting to see that, if that is what happens, the backcourt that was supposed to be, he was supposed to be on the Lakers. They were supposed to be on the team together. Didn't quite work out. He's now on the Clippers. I see that. But I think there's a couple guys that need be left out. Russell Westbrook, you can hate on him all you want, criticize his relationship with Kevin Durant, but he did just get that huge extension. He has been playing great basketball, and he's on the team that has the best record in the league. So I think he deserves some consideration. And I think a dark horse... Why not look at the NBA assist leader, Steve Nash, still getting it done at 36 years old.
2: Uh, yeah, you know, I will be the first one to say I am, in fact, a professional Russell Westbrook hater. I think that he's part of the problem in Oklahoma City. That being said, he has had a spectacular start this year. Like you mentioned, he's been an elite player in the NBA. Uh, maybe not an elite pure point guard, but certainly an elite player in that backcourt. I agree with that. Um, like you mentioned, Steve Nash, he's a guy... This Suns team is playing better than expected, I'd say. This Suns team should kind of be a pretty miserable team, but you know... Um, um, Steve Nash with really no one to particularly pass through Is doing a great job Racking up those assists like you mentioned And all around leading this team Of course another guy who is pretty high up there In the all star voting Is of course the phenom over in Minnesota We mentioned him a little bit at the end of the block Last time Ricky Rubio point guard for the Timberwolves He's an electric player Entertaining for the fans But also putting up huge assist numbers yeah, I, th- I like Ricky Rubio. I don't think he an all-star this year, but watch from
0: him next year, next couple of years. He's going to develop into one of the best pure point guards the league has seen in a while. He's kind of like a Sean Rondo type, electrifying, good fast player, good long arms, lots of steals, and can be electric on a fast break, lots of great passing, but I don't quite see him as good as a score. He's showing he can have that three-point range, but other than that, I don't think he's that great of a shooter. Such as in that game against Clippers, he's 0-10 starter, but then knocked down that three to tie the game. So maybe he could be a great clutch player. And he's had a couple games this year. He had that one game where he had nine points, uh, eight assists, seven rebounds, and six steals. He has proven he can do pretty much everything for that. Tim will see that. I think he has a lot of promise. I agree.
2: I agree. Moving back to the Eastern Conference, forward position. Leader is LeBron James, of course. Second place, Carmelo Anthony, who is the guy who's actually come under a lot of criticism recently for not quite rising and shining during this Knicks skid. Uh, the Knicks, of course, on a bit of a losing streak right now. I think it's four-game losing streak. Uh, Melo, as an all-star, do you agree with it? I don't think so. Not this season. It hasn't
0: been since he's gone to New York. He's been pointing at the same type of numbers, but of course you're going to get at least 20 if you put up about 25, 20. 25 to 30 shots a night. He had a game against the Suns a while ago when he was 7-24 shooting got 20 points. Yeah, he got 20 points, but it's not a very efficient night. Not, right, not the type right. of night you want from your elite player. And I think that's just taking away from Amari Stoudemire in New York. And Landry Fields has proven when Carmelo Anthony's off, he can score. I think he's been taking away from this Knicks team thus far. He needs to mold his game to become a bit more efficient and try to use more... Uh, Offense, I think gets everyone more involved. Amari Steinmeier, is really, I think his game has gone down since uh, Carmelo Anthony's gone there.
2: A lot of critics hate to say it, but it's true. Uh, so who would you put in that, that second forward spot in the East? Assuming, of course, LeBron's a mortal walk. Well, it's difficult
0: to say. There's not a whole lot of talent at forward in the East, I would say. But Amari Steinmeier could go into that list as a forward. He has been playing well, even with all the criticism. Maybe Garnett. Garnett has been playing good defense. Maybe Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh, with Dwayne Wade's absence, has yeah, scoring has, up. He does have that exposure in Miami.
2: All right, so now uh, I agree with Chris Bosh as a pretty solid pick there. Put him alongside LeBron. Certainly if you're making a competitive team, that might be your best pick. Obviously not quite what you're going for in the All-Star game. In the Western Conference, at forward, we have Kevin Durant and Blake Griffin right now. And I don't really see how you can argue with either of those. Those two guys are two of the best young players in the NBA. I'm a huge fan of both of their games. I really like those picks by the fans.
0: Yeah, I like that. I think that's a perfect pick. As a fan, I would choose that pick. But, as a basketball analyst, I would say, instead of Blake Griffin, Kevin Love. Kevin Love has improved, has continued to improve from last year when he won the Most Improved Player of the Year. He has proven, and in some occasions he has outplayed Blake Griffin. I think his game is a bit more complete than Blake Griffin's. Blake Griffin's all the flash, high flying, but Kevin Love is consistent, game in game out, gets boards. He has that three-point shooting ability, which is very rare now. There's forwards. but also a guy I think that should bit should you should hear from. But ha- isn't having that great of a year? Dirk Nowitzki.
2: Yeah.
0: He had a great finals last year. Record sign, record setting. 45 of 46 free throw shooting in the finals. Unheard of. But this year has struggled with injuries. Has had Maverick seen that hasn't quite found their groove yet. And it just hasn't been working quite right for Dirk Nowitzki this year. I
2: don't see him making an all-star push. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Dirk's had a rough start, and uh, going back to Kevin Love, that's a guy who's a rare guy who can really do it all in the NBA. He's a guy who can get you 20 points and 20 boards any given night. He's like a walking 20-20 just waiting to happen. Um, and like you mentioned, he can bury the three these days. He just hit a game-winning three uh, for the Timberwolves to beat the Clippers. He's a great all-around player. So now we're going to take a break, with apologies to the All-Star Centers. Uh, We are going to take a break. We are here live on Kid Star Radio Network and Voice America Kids at Wells Fargo Arena. This is Speaking of Sports.
1: You're tuned into Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now back into the action. Thank you and welcome back to Voice America Kids
2: Simulcasting with KidStar Radio Network for this week's edition of Speaking of Sports. We are here live once again at Wells Fargo Arena in downtown Tempe, Arizona, at Arizona State University. I'm Jason. Joining me is Fabian uh, once again we are live. On the Kidstar Radio Network, in addition to Voice America Kids, we just talked about Major League Baseball, uh, some of those free agents out there, and also a quick look. We looked at the NL West, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks, going to be battling it out in that division. Uh, but now we're going to move on to the NBA. A lot of interesting, a lot of interesting stuff going on, and what's already been a very interesting start to this shortened NBA season. You know, it's a condensed season, but we certainly haven't had any, uh, any condensed action. Fabian, we've seen a lot of superstars out there playing their game. A lot of new guys emerge. Um, And, of course, a couple of guys actually just go down with injuries. We've seen Derrick Rose, Paul Pierce, Dwayne Wade all miss significant periods of time. That being said, what do you see going on right now in the NBA, Fabian? Well, I think the one thing I think is really not
0: being mentioned as much, mostly because they expected it to happen. But it's really taking on a new form, especially in the 66-game season. It looks like the Bulls and the Heat are really just in a 66-game sprint to see if we can get that number one seed in the East. Because that really, I think, will be all the difference. People say, oh, the Bulls it didn't matter to them last year, they have the number one seed. But I think this year's Bulls team will impact a lot. It'll have a lot more impact, especially since the Bulls. Have you seen their numbers at home so far this season? And put a game against the Suns, I believe, recently. They had allowed 71 or more points in a single game at home that year. this yeah. year. And, of course, Miami Heat playing unreal basketball, even without Dwayne Wade. They're 5-0 and without Dwayne Wade. It's just unbelievable to see how these two teams have really just burst out of the gates. Meanwhile, some other teams, such as Dallas Mavericks and Celtics, are stumbling.
2: Yeah, I mean, going back to the Bulls, getting that number one seed again. You know, last year in the playoffs, that was a team that was just really playing poorly, I think. Um, they made such a good run. They are playing well defensively. But offensively, that team is supposed to have a lot more going for him than just Derrick Rose. Joakim Noah is not supposed to be that team's second-best offensive player. And that's just the way it was during the postseason. Um, Like you mentioned, the Heat and the Bulls seem like the front runners, even though Derrick Rose and Dwayne Wade have both missed a few games each. Um, You have to wonder about the Heat, though. LeBron James is playing great at the start of the year. um, Probably playing better than he ever did in Cleveland, at least statistically. And he has got to wonder... I've certainly been wondering, would this Heat team be better without Dwayne Wade? They're 5-0 and right now when Wade's been injured. Um, LeBron's able to take over the game. It's his team. They don't wonder who's going to take the last shot. And th- there's enough shots to go around for LeBron, for Chris Bosh, and for the perimeter players, too. But
0: do you want to say to that? Absolutely not. Who would not... Why would you take Wade? Pretty much, he's still face, the face of that franchise, Dwayne Wade. He's been there since he's been in the league. And plus... Defensively, what he brings to that team, and he's made a couple clutch shots this year. Yep, it's just a different dynamic when three of them are on the floor. It's it's something the league has not seen since the days perhaps the Bulls and yeah the Bulls, Celtics, and the Showtime Lakers, and it's just different. Winner loss record, stats wise, it may be better, but it is definitely not. It has impact on the game, and it's just. They've had some tough opponents in games that it's been with Dwayne Wade. Some of those games that had has been without Dwayne Wade have been, at times, looking like cupcake games. And same thing you could say with Derrick Rose in Chicago. Oh, Derrick Rose is not there, but Carlos Boobs are all of a sudden averaging about 20-25 points a game, and the Bulls winning by about 30 in a game. Like, Would they be better without Derrick Rose?
2: Absolutely not. Derrick Rose is the MVP
0: of this league.
2: Right, and I guess I should kind of restate my position on that. In my personal opinion, I don't think that the Heat are better without Dwayne Wade. But what I do think they are better with is when we've seen Wade on the court, we've seen him kind of as a not-healthy Dwayne Wade. In that, I mean, the Heat have done a good job not pushing his minutes a ton, letting him play in short spurts, and as such, we've seen Wade you know, taking like 10 shots a game putting up like 15 to 20 points, playing that lockdown defense like you mentioned. And I do think that the Heat might be better with him playing like that. He can still close out the games for him. If he gets hot, he can still go on a run for him, take control of the game. But for the most part, I think LeBron James should be the guy for the Heat offense. Wade, I think, should be relegated to fewer shots to the number of shots that we've seen him taking when he's been healthy this season.
0: Well, now on to like one of the teams that... Has been, talked, has been really well talked about. Two of them was talked about teams, one for good reasons, one for definitely bad. Two L.A. teams, Clippers and Lakers. They, meet, they met recently, and the Clippers just absolutely wiped the Lakers on the floor. And the Lakers have had a tough stretch as late, losing to Miami, losing a couple of games that they could have easily won. Kobe Bryant's been playing lights out. Remember, he had that stretch of four consecutive games with 40-plus points. But the rest of the team does not does not seem to be doing much. Andrew Bynum, who started the year so well, has seemed out of it at times in recent
2: games, and Paul Gasol has had
0: struggles trying to get into games and try to get into his usual production.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, we've heard it all around. It's Kobe and the Average Joes right now for the Lakers. Um, If you remember back before they got Gasol, before the Gasol trade, um, and even before Phil Jackson came back to coach the Kobe-led Lakers, right when they got rid of Shaq, when it was supposed to be Kobe and Lamar Odom, um, that team was kind of bad. That was a team that would get those seven or eight seeds in the West, and that was with a much younger Kobe, um, which granted might not be a better Kobe. It's a Kobe who can score more but lead less, defend less than today's Kobe. Um, and yeah, that team just wasn't a dominant team, that wasn't a championship contender team, and that's what we're seeing from this Lakers team right now. Now, I don't think that that's going to be here to stay. I mean, Lamar Odom was just not that huge of a piece of this Lakers team. Yes, they're another year older, but honestly, I just think Bynum, first of all, I think Bynum is kind of completely overrated. Andrew Bynum would never be a 20-10 and 10 guy in the NBA, in my opinion at least. I think he's a very unskilled big man, and I don't think he quite is the toughness of some of the really, uh, some of the more prominent, lesser skilled big men in the NBA today, even if, like a Kendrick Perkins type. I don't think he's as physical as Perkins or someone like that is. Pau Gasol, on the other end, I think is just off to a rough start. I think he'll figure it out. I think the trade did affect Pau Gasol. The trade talks for him for Chris Paul, I think that did get to his head, and I think he's just going to have to try and work through that. Um, and I think we'll see the Lakers, maybe not as a one-seed or a championship contender, but playing a lot better than they are now.
0: Well, I do have to argue the Lamar Odom case. He was sixth man of the year last year. He brought them an extra dimension into his offense. He was a person you could have Powell or Andrew Byron go off for a couple minutes, and Lamar Odom would be able to instantly replace that scoring ability. He was so versatile, and could guard pretty much anyone on the floor. In that case, I would have to agree with and perhaps with B- Andrew Bynum. Bynum has potential, but I don't think he has the toughness to match it. He has got some skills in the post, and he has improved a bit, and he has shown that on any given night he can't put up big numbers. I think the problem for the Lakers right now is they're relying way too much on Kobe Bryant, and I don't know if that's going to really help him late down the season, especially with him still playing with those torn ligaments in his wrist. It's trying to see how we can hold up. He's playing on a bum ankle, bum knee. How is that going to hold up? We need, they need to utilize the bigs more and perhaps maybe looking like that triangle offense. For right now, if you're Mike Brown, you have to try to see what has worked for this Lakers
2: team in the past and what will work for them now. Yeah, you know, in regards to Kobe, um, a I've stopped, I've stopped believing in Kobe's injuries. I think Kobe's injuries are fictitious. Honestly, i mean We see him. He tears his fingers up every single year. He tears his knees up. He just plays through it. The guy's too tough. He's too good. Um, so I'm not really concerned about how Kobe will hold up because I think Kobe has held up for you know going on 20 years practically in the league. Um, I, I think Kobe will hold up just fine. That being said, like you mentioned, I do think they're playing a bit through much to Kobe. And, you know, I think some of the blame needs to fall on new head coach Mike Brown. I know it's always a very popular thing to immediately blame the new coach when they come in. But, you know, if you look back at the Cleveland Cavaliers, that was a team with a—that Mike Brown coach, of course. That was a team with less talent than this Lakers team. Um, But that being said, it was the same thing where you had your superstar LeBron James— and then he was supposed to have his guy in the post, which in that case was Antoine Jameson, uh, much, nearly Not nearly as good as Pau Gasol is today. But still, a similar setup, and it wound up just being the LeBron show. They didn't have a good set offense. The idea of their offense was to give LeBron the ball at the top of the key, let him make plays, let him attack the rim, and try and get it to someone else, or just dunk it in. And I think that's similar to what they're doing right now in Los Angeles.
0: Well, one point I have to say about that Cleveland team for most of that time they did have Mo Williams, who's a pretty solid point guard. Definitely better than Derek Fisher, I think. And now continuing on with Mo Williams, who's been playing very well for that Clippers team in recent games. In recent games, he scored 20-plus points without Chris Paul in the lineup, of course. But still, that Clippers team has looked very good beating the Miami Heat. They beat the Lakers. And also, a team that actually beat the Clippers, that I think definitely deserves some recognition and might have in a very outside shot, uh, maybe making the playoffs, maybe he's causing a stir early in the early rounds, maybe the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got Ricky Rubio,
2: Derek Williams, and Kevin Love, a very good young nucleus of players. Yeah, I'll tell you for sure. I've watched way too many Timberwolves games so far this year. That's an interesting team to watch. Uh, now, we're going to take a break. Be sure to keep it right here, simulcasting on Kidstar Radio Network and Voice America Kids. This is Speaking of Sports.
1: Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There's so much going on in the tech field. The tech team is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Tech Team, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this form of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids.
3: Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network?
1: You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now back into the action.
0: We are here in Wells Fargo Arena with Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network, I'm Fabi and I'm joined by Jason Say. As I said earlier, we are here from Wells Fargo Arena preparing for an ASU women's basketball broadcast. But today we got a great show for you. We got NHL still going on. MLB season about to start, and there's still some big names out there on the market,
2: along with NBA still going on. Uh, definitely, I think we're going to start things off with Major League Baseball. And like you mentioned, we've seen O sign, we've seen the biggest name sign, but still a lot of big names still out there. Most notably, uh, both a big name, big guy, and a big time player. you got Prince Fielder still out on the open market.
0: Yeah, I would say Prince Fielder he still hasn't signed yet, and numerous teams have been mentioned on there. We've heard the Nationals get thrown around. We've heard Brewers, of course, this whole team. We heard the Cubs. Cubs are out of it. They say they don't want him. And also a couple of rumors saying maybe Cardinals want to replace Pujols with Prince Fielder, similar bat, of course, bringing a left-handed bat. I think he's most likely his prob- most probable landing spot will be Milwaukee. It's where he is. I know he wants to go to that big stage, but it doesn't seem like any of those big market teams are interested. The teams that usually are big spenders Boston, New York. They already have that first base position already locked up. New York, the New Yankees were throwing around with maybe introducing a Fielders DH, but it looks like they're not interested in bringing him in that respect. Plus, with Ryan Braun possibly facing 50 game suspension, Brewers would need fil-
2: Fielders batting in the lineup. Right, right. Going back to the Yankees, I mean, they just traded uh, Jesus Montero, who probably would have been the DH without Fielder. Um, And that didn't seem like a move to clear room for Fielder, but more of a move because they don't want an everyday DH. So yeah, I think they're out of it. Same thing goes for Boston. They're pretty much locked up at those power-hitting spots. Um, I agree that Milwaukee seems like the most likely place from the land right now. Typically, the team that a player was with the year before is generally the most likely. Guys, you know, moving is a factor. Having to get up and leave everything behind does affect these players. That being said, you know, I understand the Cubs say they're out of it, but, you know, Theo is a pretty heady guy out there. Theo Epstein, of course, former GM of the Boston Red Sox, now in charge of the Chicago Cubs. He's a guy, he'll pull some strings, he'll work the media, uh, he'll say some things, and then he'll come in right at the last second. If you remember the last big time first baseman before the Red Sox got uh, Adrian Gonzalez was Mark Teixeira on the market and it was Angels, Yankees, Orioles the entire time. Angels, Yankees, Orioles and at the last second it was Yankees or Red Sox. The Red Sox just came out of nowhere, made a big play to try and sign him. I wouldn't be surprised if Theo pulled that move again Now nowadays in Chicago. Um, I can't quite see him going to St. Louis. If they can't afford the payout for Pools with a hometown discount, I understand Fielder's not going to ask for quite as much as Pools, but I just don't think they have the money. So yeah, I think Milwaukee or maybe Chicago, and who knows, maybe the Nationals. If they can make a good pitch to them, that's a pretty big market in D.C. They've got some money. They want to throw it around. Um, I'm not sure if he wants to go to what's right now a well, losing team, though. And the Nationals have had themselves a pretty busy offseason. They've really improved starting
0: pitching. The acquisition of Gio Gonzalez, who's a very solid starting pitcher. I think could be a great pitcher, especially in that big Nationals ballpark. I think a team that would have been an interesting fit for Peeler that could have worked and has that first base gap would have been the Rangers. But the Rangers aren't able to do so now. I don't think they're willing to spend that much money, especially since
2: they just doled out all that money for you, Darvish. Uh, Yeah, I think the Rangers, honestly, I was surprised they they even made the move to get Darvish. Um, they kind of seem pretty capped out to me. That's a team that signed a bunch of their guys to those long-term deals. You know, locking up Andrews, locking up Hamilton. Um, yeah, I think they're pretty well tapped out of funds right now. Especially adding in the Darvish signing to that. Um, but speaking of you, Darvish, though, what are your thoughts on that signing? Uh, what do you know about you, Darvish? And do you think it'll be a success, or do you think you might bomb out in the majors? I think well, first of all,
0: enough of the con- comparisons that Dice came out to These are two
2: completely different yes, pitches. very different sides.
0: More of a smaller type build, power pitcher, and had those off-speed stuff, but Darvish more, your typical pitcher build, he has that velocity, but he's more the type of pitcher who likes to change speeds and use more location. And also, I believe he had a better record than Matsuzaka did in Japan.
2: Yeah, much better stats than Dice K in Japan. Better winning percentage and like a half a run lower ERA, I think. And also,
0: he's a lot younger than Matsuzaka was when they signed him, so... It's not, oh, he doesn't have, he's not pressured to produce now, especially with that strong rotation Texas already has. He's not pressured to work now. He's only 25 years old. He still has years to go before he's in his prime. And also, it's much easier, I believe, for a pitcher to adjust from overseas than is a hitter. Right. Especially with the more pitcher's ballparks. Texas isn't the most pitcher friendly ballpark, but the rest of that division, AOS, Definitely pitcher-friendly ballparks. you guys got like Safeco Field, and of course uh, the McAfee Coliseum.
2: Right, absolutely. Uh, the one thing that does worry me about you, Darvish, and for the most part I agree, he seems like a much better specimen than Dicek was, and even Dicek was a very good pitcher before he kind of you know went a little bit mental there in Boston. Is the reason that Matsuzaka has struggled uh, in these past few years is he's been unwilling to put the ball uh, put the ball over the plate. He's been really trying to locate right on the fringes, and as such, he's been walking a lot of guys. He's been trying to make the perfect pitch, and he just hasn't quite been able to locate absolutely flawlessly. Like you mentioned, Darvish is a guy that loves to use location. He's not a guy who really tries to blow it by everyone. I'm just a little bit worried that he might get a little bit bat shy, um, because both, as we said, the uh, most prominent recent Japanese pitcher has run that problem. and We've seen a lot of these control-type pitchers run into that issue uh, at least in their early years. Now, we have seen guys get over it. Uh, Ian Kennedy, the ace of the Diamondbacks, he was a guy who looked terrified of having guys hit him in his early years, but right now he's solved it, and he's an elite pitcher. So, Darvish certainly, like you mentioned, he's 25. He has the time to get there, but I am a little bit worried about his production right out of the gate. Well, mentioning the
0: Diamondbacks, I think they're one of those teams to watch for next season. Not only do they have pretty much their entire cast that they had last year that made that won the NLS against the defending champion Giants, but also they made moves to add even more depth. They improved the starting pitching with moves with the A's. They added relief pitching. Takashi Saito, who may be aging, but he has definitely still got the ability to lock down hitters in 7th, 8th, and 9th inning when necessary. And of course, you still have Ian Kennedy coming back. You still have Justin Upton, who showed last year, he is capable of putting up some MVP-type numbers.
2: Yeah, you know, the one thing that concerns me about the Diamondbacks is kind of manager Kirk Gibson, and don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I'm a big fan of him, his entire managerial philosophy, his style, everything about him, but you know, these guys who are kind of the more discipline-heavy guys, these guys who really kind of command their team out there, they're great leaders. But you gotta wonder, a team like the Diamondbacks who hasn't totally adjusted to that coaching style, that philosophy, when things start going kind of wrong for them, when they're not as hot as they were for most of last year, they had a couple of slumps there last year, but they were so hot for so much of the latter part of the year, you just gotta wonder how the players will react uh you know, essentially being yelled at, to being moved around, to having decisions made around them, you got to wonder if there might be some players who react negatively uh, to the managerial staff, to the coaching staff. Well, you do have to think back to when Gibson was still interim management manager. They
0: didn't have that good of a record, and yet they were still able to keep his calm. I don't know if Gibson was laying off the reins a little bit because he still had that interim tag he was looking towards being a manager or not, but still... They seemed to react good at that time, so but it still would be interesting to see this season. Definitely. Especially definitely. with the Giants definitely looking back for some payback. They re-signed Ryan Boglesong and looked to bring back mostly the same cast, but a couple new bats, trying to improve a little bit, try to go back to that same style that won the World Series two years ago. Yeah,
2: the Giants are kind of like that classic Minnesota Twins team, or, or in... Anaheim Angels team from a couple years back, where I think we're going to constantly see them as a team that is a playoff contender, typically in the playoffs, always ready to make a run, but they're going to be constantly adding those new bats, trying to find those couple of hitters within their payroll range that they can afford, who can try and put them over the hump. Obviously, the difference between them is they've won that World Series, um, much like the Angels did back in, what was it, '02? 2 um, yeah. back when that Angels team that had all that pitching but was like a bat short. Much like they did, but I think, I agree, that's going to be a team that's ready to make another run. Buster Posey, the uh, of course, the catcher for that team, the leader of that offense, uh, and the leader of that pitching stuff, really, he'll be back, he'll be healthy. I expect to see a, a pretty interesting battle in the NL West between the Giants and the Diamondbacks. Of course, you can't count out the Rockies. Rockies definitely have talent in that division. Exactly. I mean, if Tulo and Cargo, Tualitski and Carlos Gonzalez, if they get hot, we know they can go on a huge run. They can win any They can win any game with those two guys.
0: We're tuning in. We're here in Wells Fargo Arena in Tempe, Arizona. With Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network.
1: Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids Channel. Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today.